0: Uh, the, the basic goal you could sum up is basically turning Hacksmith Industries into real-life Stark Industries.
1: Uh, that's we're, awesome. We're
0: basically, we're we're w- well on the way to, and uh, I guess I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, we actually just purchased 18 acres of land with a 15,000-square-foot facility on it, and we're planning a 30,000-square-foot expansion. And that's the future home of HERC, H-E-R-C, because every good company needs a nice acronym. And stands for Hacksmith Engineering Research Campus. This is Creative Disruption, the
1: intersection where entertainment, data, and creativity meet. Here's your host, Ricky Ray Butler. Welcome to Creative Disruption. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we're going to have a lot of fun. I've been waiting for this episode for probably, you know, weeks now. And I'm really excited uh, to announce that. Know. Yes, James, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you on here because my first time discovering your channel, it blew my mind. So James Hobson um, runs the channel Hacksmith Industries, um, over 12.3 million subscribers, and basically, what James, what you do is you basically find tools or weapons or you know things that you know are not real, and you figure out how to make them real, whether they're from movies. TV shows or comic books. I mean is, is that a good summary of like what you do? Yeah, pretty much. When when you started studying to be a mechanical engineer, did you ever think this was
0: going to happen? Not exactly. Um, it's definitely something I've always been passionate about. Like I've I've grown up with the MCU. Like I love I love superhero movies, I love comics, love video games, and definitely becoming an engineer, choosing that profession was really learning how to make stuff because i feel like that's the coolest like coolest thing you can do in this world is learning how to like create things and what better things to create than stuff that people already love from pop culture so we've we've managed to find this amazing niche on the internet where we're able to um, garner a pretty big audience engineering some really cool stuff And kind of fulfilling some of those childhood dreams of like, what if you could do that? What if you could make a hoverboard? What if you could make a real life lightsaber? What if you could have real Iron Man armor? And I think that really, that um, it it really resonates with a lot of people. And that's, that's why our our channels had such success.
1: Yeah. I mean, we did the lightsaber video as a collaboration with with, um, um, EA and um, that that was one when, when I heard about the concept. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. He's, he's going to create a lifesaver. And I had no idea to what extent you are going to take it. And um, it, it, it's pretty fascinating and extremely dangerous, you know, to create, you know, such a tool. And, and, and one thing that also blew my mind is you're now selling mini lifesavers on your merch store. So, so please
0: tell me how that works out because that, that to me is just amazing. We uh, we partnered with a manufacturer after we saw these amazing mini butane blow torches, essentially, and it was the first time I had ever seen like a blowtorch level flame coming from basically a pocket sized lighter, and I thought that's incredible. That's basically it's the same idea behind our real life um, ProtoSaber, uh, the plasma based one that cuts, cuts through steel and whatnot. Um, so we, we partnered with that manufacturer and we're actually working on a new version where we're custom designing the hilt to actually make it look like a mini saber, even more so than it already does. And yeah, you can literally cut through pop cans with it. Um, it's, you can, you can, um, you can uh, torch uh creme brulee if you want, you know, in the kitchen, there's a, there's a real, real world application for it in the house. And uh, it's great for actually using it as a tool as well. Like, you can you can solder with it. You could you could do basic plumbing, plumbing soldering with it. You can uh, you can do all kinds of things.
1: I had an assumption <laughs> that it was just a really high end lighter, and I, I was shocked to see you know some of the stuff that it actually can do, like burning through metal or you know soda cans. That 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 is that is that is amazing. So so give us a little background of like how you started because you know you're an engineer. Um, when did you like realize okay there might be an opportunity for me to create content and actually make a living from it.
0: So it kinda, it happened in a few different stages. I've actually been on YouTube since 2006. So literally a few months after the platform was created, I signed up for a channel. Uh, back then it was just to share videos with friends. It was just the easiest video hosting website uh, out there. And uh, back then I actually did more like uh, parkour and free running and rock climbing videos. It was actually more like very fitness oriented.
1: And you're a free I, runner.
0: I was yeah oh wow Uh, and then um i went to school for engineering and then i started kind of documenting some of my projects and uh ian hillier my business partner um, who works with me at hacksmith uh we did some of our first big engineering projects together in fact we took a 1993 honda del sol ripped the engine out got an electric forklift took the electric motor out of the forklift, put it in the Del Sol and made a really ghetto electric car. (laughs) And that was one of our very first like big engineering projects that I made some videos about and I documented it. Um, And that's kind of when I realized like, this is the kind of stuff I want to do. I want to just like make cool stuff. So fast forward a few years and I'm graduating engineering school and YouTube actually opens up the partner program to basically anyone who can apply. And I thought, Ah, might as well do that like it'd be so cool to make money off the internet so I signed up for the YouTube platform program I started producing weekly videos I had a a silly series called hack a minute which is basically like little DIY um, videos 60 seconds long they didn't work out very well Um, to be honest I don't even know how I kept going because I I kept doing that for like almost two or three years without too much growth on my YouTube channel and then I had my first kind of viral project I got some pneumatic cylinders and I made this exoskeleton based off the movie Elysium with Matt Damon. And it was a very ghetto exoskeleton. You can only do one thing, just curl. But it was very strong at curling. In fact, I was able to curl 270 pounds on national TV, like a strict curl just like that. And um, the test video in my backyard at the time kind of popped off. I think it got over a million views in like a month or two. And um, suddenly I saw oh wait, there's like, there's an appetite on the internet for like crazy inventions and stuff. Fast forward a year, I'm still doing YouTube. I'm, I'm trying to uh, make it happen. And I decided I'm burning the candle at both ends. So I end up actually quitting my full-time job completely to focus on YouTube. And that was six years ago tomorrow, actually, November 11th, 2015. I, I quit my job and focused on YouTube full-time. Uh, Ian joined me a few months later uh, we were working on another exoskeleton project. And then that summer, we had our first like mega viral hit, which is still our number one video on the YouTube channel. And that was Captain America's electromagnetic shield. So we made an electromagnetic bracer that you could wear on your arm. And you could actually attract a Captain America shield to your arm like he does in Age of Ultron. And it just, it just popped off. The channel grew from about 100,000 subscribers to half a million in just one month flat.
1: That's amazing. Uh, millions
0: and millions of views started making some real money off Google AdSense. And we started getting sponsorship deals. So the next month, we were like, hey, we'd like to pay you money to advertise something in your video. And we're like, oh, that's we, we can do that? <laughs> and since then, we've been uh, developing the business ever since. And uh, it's just gotten bigger and bigger. And now we have... Um, twenty-five full-time employees, which is crazy. We even have a uh, a company chef who uh, makes food every day for us.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. And, and again, how how many how many people do you have working on the project?
0: Uh, we we have twenty-five employees. Wow, and happy.
1: that's in two years. That's amazing. Of doing it full time, uh, what, what was there anything that happened that you think just made it so you could create that video? Did you need to do this full time in order to make that Captain American
0: video? Like like. Uh, not really. It was actually a fairly simple project, all things considered, but it just, it, it hit that right chord with a lot of people and it. We dropped it right as Age of Ultron was coming out in theaters. So we, we really capitalized on SEO at the time and whatnot. The, the big takeaway for me was just being able to focus on YouTube full-time enabled me to, to do stuff like that, even though it didn't actually take that long. It's kind of like, you can't predict a, a, a bolt of lightning. Uh, well, <laughs> right. If you get ready for it, you can uh, you can harness it. You know? <laughs> oh, that's
1: amazing! If you get ready for it, you can harness that bolt of lightning. That's that, that's that's incredible. I mean, congratulations on all of your success, and to see the growth in the last two years is just fascinating. Especially where you you started this channel a long time ago, correct? Yeah. And so there's there's a lot of rumors that you hear from a lot of like you know creator experts or YouTube experts that. If your channel's been around too long, you really don't have that much hope of like optimizing and growing it. But it sounds like you know once you decided to dedicate your time to it, even though after it's you know been after well over a decade, um, you yeah, you, yeah. you figured out you know to get your channel booming and growing. It's interesting because there have been similar types of channels on YouTube for a while that either do welding or they figure out how to try to create you know a tool out of wood and steel or. Or they figure out how to create a prop. However, what you do is you try to take something that looks extremely challenging and almost impossible <laughs> to just create, and you figure out how to crack that nut. Um, yeah. I mean, it seems like you've kind of leveled up this, like this, the, 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 this hacker world, so to speak, or this world of people trying to create tools from sa- fantasy stories. Um, Definitely. Were there any creators out there that that were inspiration to you, or that helped inspire you to go into this direction?
0: Uh, I think originally Colin Furze was one of the big inspirations because he's he's one of the internet's favorite uh, crazy inventors, and I've met him a few times. He's awesome. We're we're good friends, um, and it's just it, it's always been something I've wanted to do. So it's just kind of like grown on that continually, like, like, what can we do more? How can we make this even even bigger and better? And that's a big reason why I've grown this into a real business, a real company, is because with more resources, with more cutting edge technology, with more people, we can really take on much bigger challenges and really create some, some cool stuff. Like we just finished our Aliens Power Loader build. We're still working on some of the software, so you don't die using it. But that's a a culmination of a project that's been ongoing for about three years, not three years full time, because we're just balancing making videos every week and we can't focus on one massive project the entire time. Um, But it's a cool one because there's also a video from 2016, so six years ago, when I mentioned in a video, someday I'd love to build this thing. And now we have, and back then it really was just a pipe dream, but now we have a full freaking power loader. And the videos don't do it justice. When you're standing next to it, you're like, holy shit. This is, this is a giant mech. And the test video is going to be awesome. Wow.
1: (laughs) Wow. I'm looking forward to that. So you have a lot of brands, you know, hitting you up and wanting to recreate things. I know that, you know, with us, we, we, we've worked with a variety of gaming clients. Um, what other um, industries have reached out to you? Um, studios, um, comic yeah, books, yeah. Uh, you know, wh- I mean, wh- what are some of your favorite collaborations?
0: Uh, so recently we've started doing quite a few collaborations with some movie production companies, which is by far some of the, the favorite sponsors we like to work with, because generally we're making the project from the movie anyways. So being able to actually do it in collaboration with the movie production company means we're able to use more content from the movie. We get paid for it. It's a win-win situation because the audience wants to see that movie anyways. Um, So we definitely love working with those. Um, We do do a lot of mobile games. That's kind of like every YouTuber's bread and butter, it seems. Um, But it's really fun when we're able to actually do a project from an IP that's well-known. And is being sponsored by that IP because it's just like everything just works out so well.
1: Are those collaborations just a natural fit where it feels like a good experience? Or is there any advice that you'd give you know, to different brands that you've worked
0: with to maybe do it better? Uh, generally, I'd say it's important to let the creator do what they think is right for their audience. Because sometimes you do work with sponsors where they're like, no, we want it this way. And it's just like, I know that's not going to work well. Why don't we do it? this way so you really gotta if you if you're trusting to do a sponsorship with a creator you gotta trust that creator knows his audience best and knows the best way to present the sponsorship or do the project um we've gotten pretty pretty good at it so we haven't had too many um uh what would you say like uh, uh, bumps in the road challenging uh challenging experiences um whereas i've heard of lots of other youtubers who maybe don't do as many sponsorships as us um have like a nightmare sponsorship versus like nothing worked out properly and it was like and all that but we've we've got it fairly honed in now that we're pretty good at um integrating uh, a brand into our videos in a way that uh, works well for for both of us. That's great. You know, I think
1: brands are really leveling up in this area. Um, it used to be way more complicated where, you know, they would demand that someone from the creative agency, you know, helps write the script um, with the yeah. creator, or they, they they would demand that you know them and their you know different agencies would be on set with creators and um and and help dictate and help direct, and you know I think most of the brands that ended up doing that learned the hard way that ends up, you know, blowing up in your face. If the creator d- decides that they're willing to, you know, follow that type of direction, most likely you're going to get more resistance from the audience because the audience yep. wants to see that the brand's empowering the content, not disturbing it or disrupting it. Exactly. And yeah. the best thing you can do is follow the guidance of the creator that built an audience that knows the audience knows how to best position you in the audience with the audience. So, you know, the program can be as consistent as possible. And, um, it, it's it's I really think right now it's already changing the world of advertising because for sure you can't just create something and blast it out to everyone. Um, it, it, you know, add add exhaustion and ad avoidance is at all time high. Um, yeah, half I mean ninety percent of the globe skip ads. Fifty percent have an ad blocking technology um, that they're using, and and so. You know, with this decentralization of content, we're seeing with creators like yourself across all these different digital platforms, including in Hollywood, where there is over a thousand Hollywoods, um, Brands are now realizing that in order to get in front of eyeballs, they have to collaborate and be inside the content. And you know, the only way to do it is leading with trust and consensus. And um, if you don't, if you don't take that approach, um, you are going to get lost in media really fast um, because it, it's our. I mean, it is the biggest form of media today, especially video, is with creators on
0: YouTube, TikTok, Definitely.
1: Instagram, et cetera.
0: Well, it's crazy when you think about it because TV has been around for what, like 70 years now. Mm-hmm. So it took decades and decades and decades for TV advertising to like become what it is today. Compared to traditional media like radio and TV, YouTube is still a baby. YouTube's still only been around for 15 years and we're just cracking the surface of what future media content and consumption and advertising is going to look like. And that's pretty exciting. Um, being in this business as a YouTuber is because those budgets on TV and radio are relatively still huge compared to what, uh, YouTube sees. And we are slowly shifting more and more to internet media and knowing that like, this is just the beginning. Um, it's, it's crazy. Well, yeah,
1: seven hundred. Billion is being spent on, on media, and most of that's through that traditional media. And the reason why this is so crazy is that 82% of the views on YouTube are creator views, and that's way bigger than Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, Disney+, Plus, and all, of t- all the top um, cable networks combined are a small fraction of that 82% and and you know you also have ad avoidance uh, and and that's not including TikTok, it's not including twitch it's not including the 100 plus relevant video platforms in china and so we're really seeing some of the disruptive that's disrupting everything and the issue is um not everyone has woken up to it they don't realize this is happening they think you know getting a commercial and having a turnkey process of buying media is is still a thing but the truth is you're only getting a fraction of their viewership and you really don't know if they're seeing it or not. And um, so I I agree with you, you know, right now, I think influencer marketing uh, is around like 14 billion globally. That 700 billion is just naturally going to shift over. Um, The the biggest obstacle is it's really hard for huge media conglomerates or agencies or, um, you know, fortune 500 brands to herd cats. They're not used to it. They don't know how to deal with a lot of (laughs) egos all at once. And, you know, that's why we're investing millions and millions of dollars in, like, building infrastructure of technology to scale this because um, it's all shifting over and the world's just not ready for it. Um, But um, everyone's truly going in this direction to figure out how to best work with creators, but how to do it at scale. And because that's complicated. Where do you think things are going?
0: Just in general for like advertising or YouTube? For YouTube and creators. <laughs> I, you know, what's going to be different with creators in like 10 years? That's a very interesting question because especially with the way YouTube has gone and now the emergence of like big channels and now like production quality going through the roof with the majority of like big successful channels is now you're, you're becoming almost quasi TV shows on YouTube. Whereas when YouTube first started, it was also when digital cameras were just becoming commonplace. So I like to think of YouTube 10 years ago as the Wild West. It was like anyone with a camera could like make a video and find an audience and whatnot. And now we're getting to the point where even the audience, they're expecting a certain level of quality. And now to get that level of quality, it's kind of tricky to just grab a camera and, and film yourself. Like some YouTubers can do that successfully, but a lot of the big channels have basically production teams behind them. And it's like running your own TV show. So it's interesting because that also creates a pretty big barrier to entry for new and upcoming YouTubers because they don't have access to the resources that big YouTube channels do. So it's kind of hard to compete because now you're back to trying to like compete with mainstream TV, which is what the big YouTubers right now are doing. So I'm very curious to see and I guess we've kind of seen it with like the emergence of TikTok and its popularity because it's, it's back to that, okay, we're filming with our phone. Like This is real life. This is, this is just this thing happening. And it's, it's interesting because you, YouTube's trying to pick up the slack with YouTube shorts and compete with TikTok. Whether or not that pans out, who knows? Whether or not another YouTube platform kind of comes up who knows there are so many unknowns and like, because it's such a big um, market and it's such a huge audience worldwide. There's a lot of unknowns to where it's going to go and how you're going to get there. Um, For example, like just the way I see YouTube working right now, I wouldn't really want to start a new YouTube channel right now. I feel like it would be really hard to, I feel like I got in when the, the getting in was, was good. And now it's a lot more challenging. So it's very interesting to look at it that way and be like, could I, could I still replicate the success knowing everything I know now, but starting out from scratch?
1: There will How always be a new wave of innovation on YouTube in my opinion. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. With Vine, Vine Rose yeah. got really relevant. And then when they got frustr, when the creators got frustrated with Twitter and Vine, um, they did not do a really good job and you know, connecting with with their creators. I think all platforms could improve it, um, improve how they collaborate with creators. However, Vine did a horrible job. There was a huge migration from these Vine creators over to YouTube, and they just immediately started getting millions of views and making millions of dollars and being very, very successful. Same thing's happening, you know, both with creators on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And um, I I think what's going to happen is whenever there's a new platform and it explodes you're always going to see that by default, many of these people are going di- to try to diversify their content and revenue because YouTube is the most sophisticated when it comes to a compensation plan or rev share. And, and um, you know, all these other platforms should try to figure out immediately how to be more aggressive than YouTube, you know, to make sure that they can retain um, more of their talent and, and new talent to, to want to build businesses there. However, I think, I think, when when there's going to be other opportunities with YouTube, I think it's going to come because there's always new trends, there's always new blood that that that, that comes into it. But I think there, there's definitely some type of correlation with new social media platforms and people jumping over. Um, yeah. uh, but in my opinion, and I, I've talked about this before, you know, on this podcast, I, I don't think there's going to be another major Facebook. Um, I think we're going to see not just a decentralization of, you know, content like we're seeing today where there's tens of millions of videos being uploaded every day. I I, I think we're going to see a decentralization of platforms. I think there's going to be innovation that comes with technology that makes it so creators in a more easily – I mean, mean, will eventually be able to create their own IP and their own platforms that can potentially compete um, with with, – um, the social media platforms or the Netflixes of the world. I mean, I actually invested in a project that I'm a part of um, called The Chosen. And, you know, we launched our own IP through our own app. And it got tens of millions of installs and has had over 300 million views and has monetized very well and been able to pay for itself to fund other, I mean, future series. Um, I think that's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, you know, there's companies out there like Angel Studios and, 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 and a handful of others they're now trying to figure out how do you scale um, you know, that type of content and platform you know, um, to make it so creators can be even more empowered of, of, of connecting and, and, and being close to their data. And so I think creators are going to become more sophisticated, not just with merch and with products, but eventually they're going to want to own their audience and they're going to want to own their own data. And so my hope is that this, you know, typically the iceberg of decentralization that we're seeing becomes much bigger, and, and it's going to make it so there's a lot more self-expression and a lot more diverse thought that is out there. So I think it would be a beautiful thing. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful time to be alive because I really think what we're experiencing right now with
0: content and art is historic. Definitely. So I got an interesting question for you. Um, so I love streaming platforms. But the problem is there's so many of them now. That when you add up all the streaming platforms, nine ninety nine a month, ten dollars, twenty dollars a month, etc., we're back to paying cable prices for for being. Able I to pay see for everyone. I agree. So as much as I love the idea of decentralized social platforms, I kind of cringe at the idea of oh, everyone's got their own little like streaming platform here and there, and that's the only way you can see their content. I really the thing I like about YouTube is that everyone can watch it. Yeah, Um, We do have a a membership program on YouTube, so um, we try and do early releases of our videos for those fans willing to throw a few bucks in the hat every month. And I think that's great, but I also really, really appreciate the fact that my content is free for everyone around the world to be able to watch with no barrier to entry to watch it. So it's a very interesting, like, you can become big enough that you can uh, actually charge for it, but at the same time, I, I really appreciate... Not having to. Yeah. So it's nice that YouTube provides a platform that allows you to do that while still monetizing the content.
1: 100%. And I think YouTube will always be relevant. I mean, I think a lot of these social platforms will still be relevant. And it's not going to be or, but it's going to be and. Yeah. And what's interesting, you know, with the project that I just mentioned, um, it's actually free. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot that's happening with activity with merch sales as well as um, people, you know, Helping fund future seasons and future episodes, and and you know it's it's one of those things that's you know taking off and you know it's you know it's faith based so you know it's it's based off of something that people are very excited about, but I think there's going to be innovation there as well. You know, we ended up doing a crowdfund you know where we did an SEC you know filing and you know where people could come in and invest you know to help fund you know that that first season, but. Where I get really excited is when, um, you know, you look at NFTs, and NFTs is a, is a gateway to a lot of exciting things, in my opinion. But when you're able to fraction NFTs and make it so everyone, like where you could have like one piece of art or one series or let's say one channel of content um, where 100,000 people can all invest in and be a part of, and as it becomes more successful, the creator owns the IP, they're protected, they end up making, you know, more money, but also know, their, their beloved fans are also have, have a cut of it and are a part of the process. That's where I think it's going to get real. Uh, and I hope there's a way that we can figure out how to make that work and make it legal to happen in the future. Because imagine if you and J.J. Abrams, you know, decided to do a collaboration, you know, with you know, some, you know, famous IP that you both get access to. And, and, and you just put it out there and you raise like $300 million for it and then you just keep sustaining and keep producing more content and it keeps growing. Um, that's where that's I hope awesome. the next wave of innovation happens with creators and the creator economy. I think it is going in that direction. I think we still have a long ways to go, but I don't know. I think innovation will just continue to happen because I, I don't know about you. I am I have a subscription to every single Sfod, but I'm still not content with my content. <laughs> I still need more. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And I'm always in a little, and I don't even have time to watch it, but I figure out how to, whether it's on an airplane or, or you know, I'm binging it, you know, 20 hours straight on the weekend. But yeah. so, so I, I, I think, you know, we're still seeing the beginning of all this innovation. And I think traditionally we would think, oh, it's all going to, you know, consolidate. And that might happen with some of the s spots. but I, I, I think we're in for a roller coaster of what's going to happen with content and creators in the future. It's, we, 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 live streaming is not even mainstream yet. And there's creators generating hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue in in a day in China right now. And so it's it's, going to get really interesting and really intense. Um, What are some platforms that you're more bullish on outside of YouTube? Um, Have you started growing your audience um, on any of the other um, social platforms?
0: Uh, Yeah. So we actually work with another company that manages our Facebook page uh, because Facebook's kind of a different animal compared to YouTube. And we had tried doing it a bit ourselves and we didn't see much success. So we partnered up with a company called Jelly Smack um, and they represent Mr. Beast as well. And some of the other top YouTubers were like, okay, we're probably in good hands. And it's worked out quite well because it's really just, it's reusing our content, editing it down again and reposting it. And that's the beauty of content or being a creator is every video you make is kind of like a residual investment. Sure, and if you can put it on another platform, you've just you've just doubled your investment just like that, which is really cool because that's not how money works usually. Uh, <laughs> you can you can literally um, show off the same video on a different platform and have the potential to earn money off of it as well. So we're actually also playing in the uh, the Chinese market. So we partnered with another company, and we actually have over a million subscribers on Billy Billy. Which is the Chinese YouTube, channel. yeah, and they've also be building us up on um, uh, the Chinese TikTok, and I forget what the other platforms called. Like they handle everything, um, but we're definitely seeing a lot of a uh, lot of potential there and additional opportunities for, for revenue. Uh, another thing I keep saying I'm going to do, still haven't haven't done it yet, is I want to launch uh, YouTube channels in different languages. So oh. okay to get the videos dubbed because we're laughing like English is the main language around here, but there's so many other languages out there in such a huge population of the planet where uh, maybe a Hacksmith in Spanish, you know, like <laughs> Spanish is one of the other most spoken languages in the world. And you capitalize on a huge new market that maybe can't um, enjoy our videos on, on our YouTube channel. So there's a whole like, it's incredible the amount of uh, business opportunities that come with being a creator and trying to figure out like, okay, what should I focus on Um, besides actually just making videos? How do I, how do I grow and expand um, our social presence worldwide on different platforms? And where do I invest money to see a return and stuff like that?
1: So. Yeah, I know, I know a handful of creators that, you know, have Spanish versions you know, to their videos. And I asked, them, I was like, well, how are the CP, CPMs compared to, you know, what you're doing in English? And there's that. there's no comparison, but you want to get out there in front of as many people as possible and, and, yeah. and build out loyalty in, 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 in viewers' own language as well. And it makes sense. I mean, your content could easily be dubbed or even have subtitles and like do really well um you know um with with people that don't speak english. So that's that's really cool. Um, so you're prioritizing Spanish. Is there any other languages that you're gonna be prioritizing?
0: Um the um we we definitely have a lot of fans in India. Um and I'm certain if we were to do a a channel specifically for India with one of the main languages there, um I, I think it would do very well there as well. Um, Russian as well would probably be, probably good. Um, we're already doing China through the, uh, the partnership. Um, are you selling products in, in,
1: in, in China by any chance? Like
0: via like uh, Alibaba or JD? Not yet, yet, no.
1: Um, have you ever thought, I mean, is there a way to take your type of content
0: and to do live streaming with it? Have you ever, we, we have gotten that request a lot. The issue is, um, our videos are very polished, 20-minute sure. sections of hundreds of hours of work. So the issue is most of the time, like if we're to a live stream building, it'd be kind of boring. <laughs> um, what we have occasionally live streamed is the tests because those can be pretty fun when we're demonstrating the product for the first time. But even then, we get into some some issue where – Again, we edited our test videos. So it's wham, bam, action. But if we live stream the test, it's like, all right, set up the cameras. Okay, we're gonna do this. Okay, pause. All right, let's bring in the new thing I'm gonna smash. So you're creating a lot of dead time. And unless you're a really uh, hardcore fan who wants to see all that, you just tried to tune in to see uh, a mech smash a car. You know, so it's tricky, but it is definitely something we're going to look into, but it doesn't work for every single project, which is why we haven't put too much emphasis on it in the past. Um, but we will occasionally do an Instagram live because it's just like, oh, might as well. We've got people standing around, someone throw it up on their phone and, and, and record this. Then um, the other issue I've had is like, I still feel like most of the platforms, like we've never successfully uploaded a good stream. Like there's always, it always like chugs a little bit, it's a little <laughs> pixely and it just kind of ruins it. It's just like, I'm paying for expensive internet here. I've got 4G on my phone, but it never comes out nice. And it's just like, I don't know if that's just a limitation or something I haven't explored much, but until live streaming can just like work and work crystal clear all the time. Um, that's, that's one of my barriers to entry to like, really want to like put some emphasis on it, which again, might just be me not being educated about streaming because it's not something I've, I've been doing, but every experience I've had, hasn't been like amazing.
1: And, and, and you're in Canada, correct? In Ontario? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just west of Toronto. Oh, great. I love that area. And there's always been, even since the beginning, some type of scene of creators up there. There's, there's always been a, a good variety of, you know, very strong creators coming out of Canada. And and the okay. tor- Toronto area. I, I've spent some time up there. Uh, so, where where do you want to be in five years? So, you know, where where do you want Hacksmith Industries to be? Where do you want you know James Hobson to be? Um, like, what are some of your, like your you know goals that 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 you're, you're hoping to accomplish?
0: Uh, the, the basic goal you could sum up is basically turning Hacksmith Industries into real-life Stark Industries.
1: Uh, that's we're, awesome. We're
0: basically, we're we're well on the way to, and uh, I guess I'll let you in on a little secret. Um, we actually just purchased 18 acres of land with a 15,000-square-foot facility on it, and we're planning a 30,000-square-foot expansion. And that's the future home of Herc, H E R C because every good company needs nice acronyms. It stands for Hacksmith Engineering Research Campus. And the idea behind this property is it's the ultimate testing ground. It's the ultimate R&D facility. It's basically a skunkworks. We'll be able to make anything we want in-house. And part of the goal for that is also to turn into a bit of a creator's mecca. We have the tools, the resources, and the know-how to make anything. And we want to bring other creators, other YouTubers, other influencers at Herc to make some cool stuff.
1: Wow. That eventually they can maybe, maybe create their own products with Herc. And you know, that, wow, that's, that, that's amazing. So, I mean, when you say you want to be a future like Stark <laughs> Industries, I mean, do, do you want to do government contracts? I mean, do you want to go to that like level <laughs> or is this more of, you know, just taking what you're doing to the next level and making it so it's more accessible to more people.
0: Uh, a bit of column A, a bit of column B.
1: Do you have this, you know, plan to take out Elon Musk and, uh, and, and compete with SpaceX one day?
0: <laughs> um, may, maybe not SpaceX. Um, like the space industry is, you know, it's, it's a pretty hard industry to crack, but, I love the idea. Think about any CEO in any comic book. We got your Batmans, your Oliver Queens, like Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark. It's always an eccentric CEO. And Elon Musk is definitely, he fits that archetype. And he does some really cool stuff. But now imagine if Elon had a YouTube channel. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. He's very active what on Twitter. Comics, it, it, yeah. Well, um, what I love about... Uh, all all the comics and whatnot is like the eccentric CEO does cool shit and it's shared in that comic. In our case, it's shared on YouTube. And I think if we could turn Hacksmith Industries into a billion dollar company that makes cool fucking shit and pulls the curtain back so you can see the inside of the company, that's unheard of, you know? Yeah. So... I'll I'll never stop doing YouTube, but my my goals for the company are so far beyond just doing YouTube. But I think it's very important to connect with that audience and potentially the future customer base for whatever products we might make and really be a very transparent, cool freaking company.
1: <laughs> that is so awesome. You're, <laughs> you know, calling you a badass, I think is, you know, not enough. Uh, I mean, that, 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 is, that is amazing. I hope every engineering student watches this and or like, gets to hear this perspective from you because it's really inspiring to, to take something that most people just imagine and think, oh, that's impossible, and actually make it possible. Um, that's, that's very incredible. Um, have you ever collaborated with, any, um, like, like, Mark
0: Rober or, or anyone like that? Uh, not Mark Rober, but we have done lots of collaborations over the years. Um, I've done a few videos with Colin Furs. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking. I've met tons of YouTubers, but at this point, I just enjoy meeting other creators. It's not even about doing the collab. It's just meeting like-minded people who are creative and enjoy making content. And sometimes it's just like you just want to actually hang out and be friends as opposed to Oh, uh, let's start filming a video together. It's just like, let's be friends first. And then when it feels natural to do a collaboration, let's do it. Cause we'll have a lot of more fun that way.
1: <laughs> that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think, you know, back in the day on, on YouTube, you could definitely tell when people were collaborating and they didn't really know each other, but you know, they're just trying to cross pollinate.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think it's fun now where just, like, sometimes it seems like, oh, every YouTuber knows other YouTubers. And sometimes that comes across really cool. It's like, oh, I just, I randomly called up Linus Sebastian the other day on <laughs> Linus Tech Tips. I had a question for him. It's just, like, I kind of like, it. like, I'm slowly developing an address book on my phone of other, like, YouTubers. And even sometimes, like, uh, people on my team are like, wait, Linus just texted you? I'm like, yeah. I was just like, that's normal for me. But it's just like, wait, what? Yeah, Linus. <laughs> it's, just, it's kind of funny. You
1: no, know, I haven't met Linus. I mean, my, my team has worked with him, but yeah, brilliant person. Very intelligent.
0: Oh yeah. He is he is he has scaled his YouTube channel into a veritable media empire. Um like I'd say he's he's one of the gold standards for like creating a business on YouTube and really growing content and uh and whatnot. It's for, for example like he... he he produces so much content. I'm pretty sure it's like 21 videos a week across seven different channels. And that's very much like a very business minded way of like, okay, more content, more money, more content, bigger business, continue, continue. Um, we, we focus a lot on like more resources, more people. Um, our projects have gotten bigger because the funny thing is I've got a team of 25 now. We still only make one video a week which is just kind of mind boggling because I used to make a video week by myself. And so, yeah, the, the production quality has gone way up, but it's just like you, you forget all the other complexities of like growing a bigger team. Like we have support staff who don't have anything to do with the YouTube videos, but they're there to support the team and the employees and the engineers and stuff. And it's uh, it's pretty crazy. <laughs>
1: um, I'm sure you're already envisioning what it's going to be like to have a hundred employees, 200, 300, and and you know even though it gets in some ways way more fun, it also gets way more difficult. There's yeah, there's always learning the curves with growth, and then having a bigger operation. We're just yeah. under um four hundred, but um, year to date here in 2021, we've hired 190 people, and Jeez. a lot Different to learn self-growth. from that. <laughs> yeah. yep. and being yeah. that we're all virtual, there's a lot of context that needs to be shared <laughs> and evangelized,
0: et cetera. Definitely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a psychological split at certain numbers. So I'm pretty sure 30 is one of those first numbers. So we're like getting really close because that's 30 is like the size of a human tribe kind of thing. And once you grow past that, now you start getting subset teams and subset tribes. And suddenly not everyone knows each other. Not everyone knows what's going on. And even lately now, like I walk through the parking lot and I don't recognize all the cars. I'm like, oh. Who drives that BMW? I have no idea. <laughs> Someone who works here, <laughs> and it's just like it starts creeping up on you, and you're just like, "Uh oh, I'm not like." I still plan on like knowing every employee ever. Like I don't ever want to get to the point where I can't meet everyone. But depending how big hacks within this just becomes, like, it's it's crazy because if you imagine like Elon Musk showing up at, at like SpaceX. Like, I'm sure there are, like, lots of people who have met him, but there's got to be hundreds more who haven't. And it's just like, oh, shit, Elon's here. And it's just, like, it's a crazy, like, it's a paradigm shift in a company when you get to that point where it's just, like, you have these levels of, like, people and, like, different locations and working online and all that. And it's... uh Definitely going to be interesting, to say the least. Wow. Well, no, thank you so much for sharing all of this. Like, th- th- this
1: is—I was <laughs> not expecting to go in this direction with the interview, but this makes me excited. I'm just going to be watching this very closely, um, probably begging you to let me invest eventually, because because this sounds all really cool. Um, so we we run a business, you know, I um, that, that I oversee called Two And, um, you know, we, we, we try to, you know, we help over 8 million creators try to be more data driven, growing their audiences and and growing their revenues. Um, What advice would you have, you know, to um, these 8 million creators, you know, these aspiring creators that, you know, want to make a living on YouTube and what, what, what's the number one
0: piece of advice you'd give to them? I'd say the number one advice for any kind of content creator is, originality. There are so many the issue with a lot of new creators is they see another creator having crazy success. And the problem is sometimes that crazy success is in a very um already saturated field. You're not going to become the next vlogger. You're not going to become the next streamer, the next gamer. Those are really like moonshot, good luck. Like you could you could do you could be a great personality, you could film your content, great, but getting noticed in a sea of millions is gonna be really hard. It's not to say it's impossible, but you've got so much of a better chance if something that you do is unique and they can't find that somewhere else. There are tons of maker channels out there. But we've really established ourselves as the make it real channel. And that's in part why we've had so much success where other, other channels may not have because we picked a niche that wasn't that big and it's still not that big and now we're the biggest fish in the pond. So if you can find a small pond that doesn't have many fish in it, you're going to have a much bigger chance of, uh, really growing. The flip side of that is how do you find a niche that is also mainstream enough to get you the level of success you want? Because the problem is most niches are niches for a reason. Niche literally means a small thing. So how do you combine your niche with something that is mainstream um, friendly? And for us, it made a lot of sense. We're tagging off of blockbuster movies, and very popular video games and comics so we're able to attach ourselves to a very mainstream audience while still doing our niche thing which is making real projects from them so when you think about it that way it's like oh that makes a lot of sense like that is how we got a lot of success so then if you try and figure that out for what you want to do it's not necessarily going to be easy but if you can somehow connect your niche to a mainstream audience, that's your best chance of making it big. Whereas if you try and just do what everyone else is doing, good luck. luck. (laughs) Wow. So connecting your niche to a mainstream audience. But at the same time, it, it depends. Like maybe that's not even your goal. Maybe you do just want to be the biggest fish in your pond. You just need to set the right expectations.
1: Yeah. You know, I really like how you said that, you know, finding a small pond with less fish but also connecting your niche to a mainstream audience. I I kind of visualize two circles here. I visualize a really big (laughs) circle and a really small circle that are barely overlapping. And that overlap is the sweet spot. Yep. And, you know, that's something I haven't even thought of. Um, You know, (laughs) I'm not a creator like yourself, but, (laughs) you know, that, yeah, find something that's very original, but then make it, so it's relatable and, and make it so someone can learn something um, unique and new in a way that they haven't imagined. And that's where the originality comes. That's that's really cool because you're right. There are a lot of make it channels. There are a lot of hacker channels, but you really took an angle of saying, okay, I, I see the atmosphere here. No one's really making it real and, and taking it to the level that we're taking it to. And and that takes a more investment. It takes more resources. It takes more time but it also you know, makes it so you stick out and, and, and obviously grab a lot more attention.
0: Yeah, I mean, we get comments lots of, uh, a lot of the time being like, oh, I'd love to see you do some like original inventions. I'm like, I'd love that too. But our audience is a mainstream audience. The reason we've had this success is because we've done stuff that people are already familiar with. Because having that connection point, even just for a thumbnail as you're scrolling down YouTube, it's like, oh, I know who Batman is. I'm going to click on it. Yeah. Whereas if you have an obscure invention, and, and the funny thing with inventions is <laughs> the fun inventions always kind of have like obscure mm-hmm. like names and things. So it's like, it's this cool thing. But mm-hmm. if you can't um, tell the audience what that cool thing is in a single picture, in a single short title, no one's going to see it. So having that anchor of something that's super popular, like Iron Man or Batman or Star Wars and lightsabers, that kind of almost guarantees that you're going to get a little bit of a note. You're going to get noticed. And once you get them on your video, then you can show off your awesome project and your, your great production quality and your, your video. But unless you're not, if you don't get that first click, which really helps having that like connection how do you? How do you even get there?
1: Is there a way to take it up to another level? I, I mean, so you have a very large profile. You have over twelve million subscribers on just YouTube alone. Um, you've been okay. extremely successful. You average millions of views. Does it get to a point where, let's say, when you get to fifty million subscribers, where you know your profile is even bigger? You know, you know, obviously more than triple the size that it is now. Um, yep. yep. Can I
0: just do whatever I want?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Where you keep, you know, you know, doing this stuff around fantasies that we all relate to and, you know, these fantasy storylines, but then you also like, Hey, this is what I decided to create. And this is why this is so freaking awesome. So I'd
0: say there's definitely some flexibility around there, but there's a big misnomer around your audience on YouTube because the YouTube platform has been moving further and further away from subscriptions favoring more and more the algorithm. So even if I got to 50 million subscribers, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm actually getting that many more views. Sure, sure. Which is a really shitty thing to think about, but I've seen it. In the past few years, we've gone from literally four million subscribers to 12 million, so we've tripled in size. I'd say for the past three years running, our average view count per video is still around one to two million views it didn't triple with the tripling of our audience. So it really depends on, am I at 50 million subscribers with 20, 30 million views per video, or am I at 50 million subscribers and I'm still only getting a few million views? Or by the time I get to 50 million subscribers, will subscribers mean even less on the YouTube platform? (laughs) Because the amount of comments you get being like, oh, I never, I never even saw this video. YouTube never notified me. And all this, but that's almost like a completely separate. So, so can, I, can I ask
1: some controversial here about, you know, this conversation here? Um, what percentage of your average viewers are your subscribers?
0: It, it does vary a lot on videos, but I'd say usually only like 30 to 40%. See,
1: th- see, that's, that's common. And that's common across the board with all creators. And I think most oh, people, yeah. I mean, so most of the people that watch this are up and coming creators, Um, or, you know, brands that are in entertainment. Um, But, um, you know, we have a very small niche and we are not connecting it to the mainstream. (laughs) I don't think I can handle the pressure. But um, (laughs) this is mainly for me to gather data from people like you and learn things. But um, it's one of the reasons why when we work with creators on the bent side of the business um, with with brands, you know, it it turns into a whole, you know, media strat. I mean, it turns into a whole strategy where it's like, okay, what makes a creator so valuable is that they have loyalists that trust them and that want to support them, and it makes it so you get a higher click-through rate. It also makes it so you get a higher conversion rate. And we've noticed these trends with the algorithms that are, you know, obviously aren't making it super easy for subscribers to to um, get notified about new content that's coming up. And so what we do
0: is it's all because of the uh, the three step notification process. Yeah. It's hard enough to get someone to click a button yeah Just click a button and then check a box and then click another button and then let alone going into your app and making sure you have notifications enabled yeah that's the subscriber killer youtube making it very difficult any other social platform it's one click follow like uh subscribe whatever it's on tiktok
1: but, but i would argue <laughs> even on the other platforms A lot of them are going in this direction
0: still. It's still algorithm based for the most part, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and I'm not going to point fingers and say what the incentive is. I know, I know, YouTube has their own incentive, um, but other platforms they might want people who are growing audiences to pay to get in front of those audiences. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that could be going on here. I'm, you know, I'm not going to try to question their intentions. (laughs) But with that said, from a brand perspective, when we work with creators, especially for I'm trying to drive revenue or drive transaction. uh, If it's more of like a performance focus, we work with the creator. If that creator ends up like, you know, really performing, what we then do is, you know, get the rest from the creator to use that video to try, to try to target all their audience um, across platform. And so all the audience can see that video that the creator created. And what we found is that it's very effective. It's, it's, you know, the.
0: So you're talking about putting paid media behind.
1: Yeah. It's, it's not yeah. and it's not reaching casual viewership because, you know, I, I think the future is loyalty and loyal viewers, not casual you know viewers or casual reach. And so yep. Yep. you put paid media behind it, not to target a bunch of random people, but people that know who this creator is and, and appreciate them, and make it so you know they can see that th- th- this creator's video, what it did, and you know how they collaborated with the brand, and. In my experience with advertising, it's, you know, one of the highest, you know, performing um, ways to advertise um, um, to audiences. Um, of course it is. Sure. And, but, but no, that's very interesting, um, you know, how difficult it's become. And I, I think, you know, going back to a decentralized world of, like, platforms, it, it's these types of decisions made from the major platforms that I think will inspire creators to figure out how do we do this differently. How do we innovate? And maybe it's not an individual creator. Maybe it's like a variety of creators coming together and thinking, okay, we're going to keep doing TikTok. We're going to keep doing YouTube. We're going to keep doing all these you know, mainstream platforms, but we also need something that's specific to us. So, you know, other than with an email list, we can, you know, have access to our audience um, outside of yeah. these, these, these platforms.
0: Uh, uh, that's a big one you just hit on right there. Imagine having a email newsletter with 12.3 Million active email addresses. Yeah, there's a lot of creators
1: building that, that are are collecting that. Um, um, You know, that's also where you have you know different you know platforms like community or you know text based platforms that seem very you know win win for creators, where they can have another way of connecting you know with their audiences. But who? I mean, I think I think the the platform that's going to win if it's not going to be from a creator um, um, individually or from a group of creators is a platform that. You know, makes it so creators can own their own data and own their own audience and have a way of mitigating any type of risk, because yeah. we don't understand the algorithms on these platforms that well or well enough to know. Like, is I mean, is there a prediction around seasonality if there's a there the creator that becomes less relevant and then that creator is then in a really difficult spot, you know, to be able to continue to grow and 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 and, and gain traction. I mean, again, I mean that that's just you know. I mean, looking. I mean, theorizing. Um, I don't think that's the case. But the truth is, cr- creators are now at the point where they are massive. They 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 are very relevant. They're the biggest form of media, and they need to you know take their audience and and, and the data on their audience very seriously. And this includes like the music creators. Some of the music creators have hundreds of millions of followers. On Instagram, and they need to be much more disciplined in communicating with their audience, but also figuring out new ways of engaging with them. Um, You know, data is something that you know a lot of like the top performing creators you know obsess over. Is there anything that you do when you're creating content where you where you you know look at data that's been very helpful?
0: We try. We, we try very hard actually because um, obviously the YouTube analytics do give you a lot of information about your videos. but the annoying thing is you can you can have a video that performs well and you see one or two metrics that are like unusually high and you're like, oh, that's why it performed well. And then you have another video that hits one of those metrics or even outdoes it and then it performs terrible. And you're just like, what What? happened with this? And there's what I've found anyways, at least on my channel, is there's rarely a smoking gun um, to be able to point the finger at and be like, that's why this video really popped off. Because there's so many different things that go into a video gaining viral success. You can only predict so much. And the rest is somewhat still left to like, I don't know, the way the wind was blowing that morning. You know? <laughs> it's just like you and you can very easily like find yourself in a rabbit hole of trying to like analyze the numbers and be like, oh, okay, what if we what if we do this more? And I feel like the reality is there's still some like unknown chance sometimes in there. Like we've had really good videos that we've like we're really proud of. When you watch it, you're just like, I've glued the screen, I loved it, it was a really cool project, and then performs terrible on youtube you're like why what happened and there's no there's no one you can ask there's no one expert like other creators are the best experts there are but even then you can be like hey check out this thumbnail like oh man that's a banger thumbnail still doesn't get pop off and you can see that too like it's just there's way too many metrics like look at how many copycat channels there are to mr beast's style videos these days if it was as simple as what mr beast does by doing a challenge and having a bright colorful thumbnail then we'd see so many other channels like it but he was very much a snowball that's gotten bigger and bigger and now with his his legions of audience his his millions and millions of followers yeah those videos are going to do well but you can't just replicate that success so the issue I think with a, a, a lot of creators probably fall victim to is seeing another creator, seeing their success and being like, oh, if I do it like this, I'm going to succeed too. And the problem is there's, there's far too many different things you can do that like make it pretty much impossible. You can't replicate success. It's not possible.
1: No, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> I, I think there is a way to doing it. Uh, And I I, I would actually say, you know, in talking with Jimmy, he models a lot out. You know, he has a variety of series that he does. And, you know, I think he's pretty darn good at like modeling and, you know, he's continued to, you know, grow and grow and grow.
0: And but but where I think it's going to be a game. The the issue is it continues to continues to evolve. Like if you watch some of Mr. Beast's videos where he talks about analytics like a few years ago. Like he used to talk a lot about like click through rate and the percentages and whatnot. Compared to where he is now, those rules don't apply. And they're new rules that he's discovered. And to some extent, yeah, I feel like you can, you can predict a little bit, but part of it is almost like, I like calling it a snowball effect. It's like you almost become too big to slow down. And, It's it's kind of tricky because it's almost like sometimes you become a self-fulfilling pr- prophecy. This is the way I look at it. This is the way I do my videos and I'm succeeding. Therefore, I must be doing it just right. But the fact that there's these other metrics that you might not realize and the algorithm, which no one really understands fully how it works, there's so many things that it's just like, Yeah,
1: I don't know. Yeah, well, I think this is where AI is
0: going to be a game changer for creators and in the video world. Um, We have been bugging YouTube for years to do thumbnail A and B testing. I can't believe they still don't have it. I know that's a feature of TubeBuddy, and we've actually been meaning to get set up on TubeBuddy and just freaking do it. Because we've we've been been patiently putting our thumbs, (laughs) waiting for YouTube to get with the picture and just offer it. Um, but yeah,
1: <laughs> well, no, it's definitely the most popular feature and tool or application on our platform. And, you know, it's, it's very accurate. It's, it's, it's very successful. And, you know, what we plan on doing is, you know, now that we've acquired TubeBuddy like, a little over a year ago, we now have our, our, our AI and data science team, you know, figuring out, okay, how do we make these features even more accurate? How do you, you know, um, even level up, you know, to make it so, you know, we can like you know help creators even better optimize the, the, their creator experience in uploading videos and, and seeing more success you know the longer that they do it and this is what it comes down to 90% of the data out there humans don't look at and that's the unstructured data that's the that's the video that's the audio that's you know anything you can't fit into you know an excel spreadsheet like groups of text etc And with the predictive modeling that we've created with with AI and deep learning neural networks, what we found is that if you want to predict clicks or if you want to predict even conversions or views, you know, you can't just look at 10% of the picture. Because most creators out there are literally looking at, like, spreadsheets. They're not – looking at the new there it's impossible to look at all the nuances of a video and correlate and then find causations by looking at thousands of, of other videos we can't compute that in our brains so you need AI to can. you know have you know AI technology um, that with computer vision and, and uh, or NLP to, to make sure that you look at all the data out there you look at your data and then you know the AI can look at you know tens of thousands if not millions of pieces of content and, see, and, and then look at performance data and be like, okay, based on this performance data and based on everything else that we've analyzed or that, that the machine has analyzed, you can expect this if you do X, Y, and Z. And so at first when we started, you know, doing AI at Ben, it was all about, you know, predictive analytics, predicting organic views without paid media, you know, predicting click-through rate, predicting um, conversions. And we've been very successful um, in, in all of those areas. But something that we actually just got patented is contextualization around of what's happening inside the content. Because even though we were really good at making predictions um, with AI, sometimes a lot of it's in a black box because it's very you know unstructured. It's really hard for humans to go in and figure out okay what's happening here because there's just too much going on. And um, you know we figured out how to how to create you know models and algorithms to help us really contextualize what's happening within the content. And we actually got this patent, you know, approved. Not, It's not pending. It's actually approved. And it was after four months. And and so we can truly, you know, we have a, a research AI team and an applied team. This research AI team has just been working tirelessly inventing stuff so we can better understand context of what's happening in the video. And this is what I think is going to be game changing for creators because everyone is very limited to how they look at objects, how they look at content, how they look at anything. And we are just not as accurate as machines. And so, you know, I I personally believe in and this is my own theory, is that we consume a lot of data and that sometimes gives us that gut feeling or like that creative spark of, oh, we should do this. And But sometimes we can't explain that. And I think technology is getting to a place, you know, and the technology that we're creating is getting to a place where we can, you know, truly put science around intuition. And, and, and be much more predictive. And so you know it's exciting because it would be impossible if we didn't have as much content as we have out there in the world today. And the more content it means the more data and that empowers you know, technology um, better than ever before. And, and so
0: Definitely.
1: I, I think it's one of those things where you know I think it is the biggest challenge. I think it's one of the biggest challenges for creators to model things out and like, be much more predictive. and there's always going to be anomalies. Um, and yep. there's always going to be things that you're going to have to keep training the the AI and the algorithms. But I, I think it's going to get to the point where we are going to be able to be a hell of a lot more scientific on, on, on on our calculations of, of creating art or content in a way that does not compromise, um, you know, um, the art. Um, if anything, this makes it so it can continually be consistently received by its viewers. Um, but, A lot lot of interesting things there. Um, So thank you so much, James, for making time. And this was a really fun discussion. Um, One last question. You know, what is something um, that just inspires you? What what keeps you going?
0: Pushing the envelope. Pushing the envelope. That's awesome. I want to create the world I want to live in. And... That world is a sci-fi world. That's uh, what comic book writers and, and movie script writers and, uh, yeah. I want, I want jetpacks to be a, a regular everyday thing. So taking what people have dreamed and making it happen.
1: That, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so inspiring. And, again, thank you so much for, for being a part of this program. And when you have that all set up and you have that campus – I'm I'm definitely down to fly up there and take a tour. And so please let me know as that progresses and if I can get clearance. (laughs) 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 And and, uh, I'll give you my fingerprints. I'll give you whatever you need. But I I, want to come check that all out because that sounds fascinating. Thank you so much. Um, Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And um, please subscribe. Please like this video. And um, see you next time.